Hello and welcome to My Favorite Movie Is, a podcast all about celebrating our all-time favorite movies through fresh, positive takes from passionate movie lovers. I'm your host and fellow movie lover, Larry Freed, and you are listening to The Bonus Round, a fun spin-off segment from our main show in which we ask our guests a series of fun, sometimes silly questions to gain even more insight into their all-time favorite movie and why they love it. Questions like, if you had to pair your movie with another movie to make a double feature, which movie would you pick? Or if you could have been a fly on the wall for one day of the production process of your movie, which would it be? Or in the Monopoly edition of your favorite movie, what are the six playable tokens? You know, the important stuff. Today's guest is podcaster and educator Marlon Williford, and his movie of choice is Roland Emmerich's 1996 landmark blockbuster, Independence Day. If you missed my initial conversation with Marlon all about Independence Day and how it's actually about colonization, believe it or not, you should definitely give it a listen. It's available on our show page on the podcasting app that you're listening on right now. And it's also available on our website at mfmipodcast.com slash ID4. But for those of you who did your homework, I hope you sit back and relax and enjoy this especially fascinating and fun installment of the My Favorite Movie Is bonus round. I'm just going to throw out a bunch of questions at you. Yeah. Don't think too hard about them. They're just meant to be fun, maybe even a little bit silly. So let's get started. Which character from this film would you most like to have dinner with and why? I would love to have dinner with, I would say, Judd Hirsch's character in this film. I think interesting. He, pick. he brought a level of levity to this film. I think it was Julius during a full alien invasion this man was able to just keep his calm for every single scene of like, hey, we're all going to die. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Death is around us. Anyway, let's let's sit here and have a conversation. Why aren't you dating that woman yet? Tell her you love her. It's like, Julius, <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> he has such a unique uh, energy to this movie. And I, I really love the fact that he's here. And again, as I said in the in the original episode, he is a genuinely... I believe a genuinely strong piece of Jewish representation uh, in in Hollywood films, and I could I mean I could have a whole episode about that. But uh, love that you made that pick. I'd have to I I gotta tell you I thought you were gonna say Will Smith's character, so this was a fun a fun little uh, surprise, yeah. a little change of pace. <laughs> I want to know what's up with Harvey Firestein's character. I would get dinner with him. I just want to hear his whole story because oh, there's a lot there that Marty. we do not we do not get to hear. <laughs> I mean, true, he, he had that really sad see where he just gave up oh crap oh crap truly dramatic (laughs) he just looks up and he's just like this is it i can't go anywhere all right and it's incredible how this movie portrays that those scenes with levity and humor like i feel like this movie balances so well this this idea of seeing all these monuments and landmarks being destroyed and there is kind of a horror in watching all of that happen but yet it is still kind of it's that mixed with awe and spectacle like seeing this kind of destruction which had really never been portrayed like this in a movie quite this viscerally before while also having moments of comedy like you know like the dog jumping you know like what's this (laughs) boomer And the dog jumps through with with surprisingly (laughs) decent green screening effects. The effects have held up surprisingly well. (laughs) K-96. What is the best film in Roland Emmerich's filmography besides this one? 
Oof. Okay. I feel like I, he has a lot of like patriotic movies that I think is hilarious. He does. Like yeah. this man, I think, did The Patriot. Uh, which is like after Independence Day. And I'm like, Independence Day topped the Patriot in terms of like patriotic. That's amazing to me. At some point, he just decided just, you know, be right on the nose like a sack of hammers, uh, make a movie called The Patriot and just be done with it. I think the film that I like from him that I thought was wild was The Day After Tomorrow, mostly because it's like a climate change adjacent ish film of like, with like extreme weather and I, and I just remember there being the scene where like this is huge flood i think in like new york city there's this huge flood and then like all these animals get out and then just really be like oh my god like what about the zoos what would happen like, <laughs> like the animals would be like oh great it's my time to thrive this is perfect i can fully jump out of here and just attack people you could probably do a whole class about roland emmerich films in political lenses but not advertently like i'm not sure if roland emmerich wanted to say anything about climate change oh, but hundo p he also did godzilla which is also another yeah. environmental <laughs> film so he has oh my goodness about environments <laughs> i want to think that he had something to say about climate change or did he just want to make a movie about godzilla destroying a city i'm not sure that is i'm true. not sure i need to watch the movies and think about the lens did the filmmakers really want to make a narrative about this kind of political thing? Or are we in a modern day lens sort of deconstructing it in that way because we think that there's a lot to say about it and that's more meaningful to us? So like, did Roland Emmerich go out of his way to make a revenge fantasy about that? Probably, Probably not. not. Probably not. But you know what? <laughs> it means more in the end, which is why we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. All of that to say the day after tomorrow being about climate change, I hope he thought about it when he was making it. I have to rewatch it. I haven't seen that movie in years. Um, but maybe, maybe. If you could have taken one prop home with you from this set, which would it have been and why? And I, I ask this because there are a number of practical effects in this There's movie. so many. This includes vehicles, by the way. If you wanted to include a vehicle in there, oh. I count it. I think what I would like is... Uh, the jars of those aliens that they had in Area 51 would love yes. one of those alien jars. <laughs> yes, dude. Yes. All for that. Love that energy. They're sort of in the background the whole time, but they're like life-size. They're big. They're like the entire, yeah. are they just heads or are they entire alien bodies at one point? I can't I even think, remember. I think there, there are some that are heads and some that are like the, the small inside body inside the exoskeleton. Which I think is important to also discuss because in that scene, we find out that they've been like observing, hey, like there's been a whole lot of alien stuff happening here for like a week and we didn't know what was going on and we didn't tell anybody. And I was like, <laughs> come on, Phil. What do you mean they didn't come tell anybody? They've been like, wow, wow. All these alien technology bubbles are like lighting up and like, we're not going to tell the government what's happening. We're just going to keep looking at it. And that's another example of them being like, you see how, how bad the government is? They're in here. They fully know aliens are a thing. They're fully keeping these little alien bobbleheads glow. And they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> what is your favorite Sonic moment in this film and why? And when I say Sonic moment, this could be either a musical moment in the soundtrack. It can be a moment of sound design in the mixing of the film. Is there a particular sound in this movie that is um, that is memorable for you? I think it would have to be 
Oh, it's when they're doing the countdown in uh, Air Force One and they hit zero. And then you just see the little like ship dock opened up and that green light shines down the building. And then you hear like this really low humming and you hear the and then it just blows up a building. That to me uh, is a sound that I think fully just like hit something in my brain, which is such just a, such a distinct noise that was followed up by an explosive, destructive explosion right afterwards. I would love to learn about how they developed the sound design for this movie because I so think good. it's uh, totally iconic. And I'm curious if there was any. Um, practicality in it we've had we had a previous episode of the show where we covered the original godzilla film from the 50s and my guest basically educated me about how they created godzilla's roar which was done entirely practically oh. so i'm curious if there was like curious if there's uh you know like uh some practicality going on the sound effects maybe but this was also a, a very huge film in terms of digital effects and stuff so maybe it, maybe it was from sound library i'm not sure What's really cool is that the scene where they blow up that huge building, uh, that scene got recycled into Randy Quaid's scene. Because originally, he was supposed to be flying one of those um, farm helicopter planes into battle, but it didn't test well. So they had to reshoot his scene afterwards. So if you watch the film, he has a full haircut that's different from everyone else because he had to do his scene again after they had wrapped and then they took him put him in the pilot seat and they took the explosion they turned it upside down and so when it so when he hits it at the bottom and the explosion goes up that's the that's the inverse of them blowing up that tower from top to bottom movie magic dude movie magic movie movie freaking magic that's a great moment i love that moment when randy quaid gets blown up i'm back um, I'm back again. He was abducted. I believe it. Hello, boys. I'm back. I know that there's an extended version of this movie. Have you seen the extended cut? I have not seen the extended cut, no. Yeah, apparently there is an extended cut, which I hear is not as good. But I'm so curious because apparently it expands upon Randy Quaid's character and uh, oh. his children. That that subplot, which like we didn't talk about this in the podcast because it's your time to shine, not mine. But one of my favorite things about this movie is how epic it feels, mm. how it really does feel like this kind of like for some reason, the other only other movie I could think about while watching it was Cloud Atlas. Oh. Not that these movies have anything to do with each other, but uh, this idea of the ensemble movie, this really feels like an ensemble film. It really does not, even though like Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, like they're the stars or whatever, I struggle to think of another movie that is this much of an ensemble piece. I think the closest thing we've gotten really is West Side Story. Mm. That came the closest to achieving the same level of epic, but this movie feels like it's really, there's just a sensibility to it where it's like it's covering everything. We have so many characters. They're all coming together. They have different relationships with each other. They bend, they, they ebb and flow between one another in such fascinating ways. Randy Quaid's character is such an important, I think, part of that. I'm curious to see the, the extended cut to see how they expand on it. But one of my favorite parts about it was that he played such a pivotal role in this quilt of characters representing so many different backgrounds and and uh, where they're from and uh, and classes and races and all and ethnicities, all this stuff. I just thought it was a really valuable thing about this film that I wanted to share in the bonus round with you right now. Oh, appreciate it. 
if you could get one frame of this film printed and no pun intended framed and hung up on your wall if you could get one nice like canvas print of a frame from this movie up on your wall what would it be oh sample there's the, the the there's the first part of the film where it, it shows that the nasa discovers this huge mass that is just past the moon uh and there's that scene where like again they weren't doing their jobs apparently uh government, government. uh and there's a scene where like where like the first ship is like coming out of the atmosphere over san francisco and you just see like it's coming in at such a slow but still large mass and faster that it's like pulling steam off of it as it's coming into the atmosphere yeah yeah i want that because it has the it has the golden gate bridge on the right side and it has san francisco on the bottom it has a ship flying and with just smoke billowing off like the top of it because it looks so uh visceral and it just looks so scary as well this that's actually an interesting point about this movie that you know you grew up in richmond but really just in general you're you're kind of a norcal guy Mm -hmm. you know you work in oakland now what was it like seeing san francisco portrayed in in this movie while you were young did that register at all for you did did it register when you were young it doesn't register at all now yeah i think that's honestly what i think made this film it provided the like text to self example like great this could be you like you know this landmark this landmark is like 20 minutes from where you live and here is an alien spaceship flying right over it so i was like oh wow this is like immersing me into this world even more such an incredible little detail i'm glad that we got to talk about that just a little bit Mm -hmm. if you could have been a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. for one day of production and that includes pre-pro production post-production which would it have been and why? Oh, it would have been production specifically during the Bill Pullman uh, speech scene. Of course. Of course. Apparently, I don't even know if this is true or not. Apparently, he was just supposed to deliver the speech and they were supposed to like add in some like sounds later words to like kind of have it be a big moment. And his speech has like different reasons for being special. On the one hand, it's special because he did the speech and all the extras on site, they all just started like applauding him. They all just started clapping him and it wasn't supposed to happen. They're supposed to just be there in there and salute and be ready. But instead, they were just so moved by the speech and his passion delivery. They all just broke out in applause and they're like, we're just going to keep that in there. I love that. And secondly, uh, they added that last line about like, this is our Independence Day because the studio at the time wasn't sure if they were going to keep the title Independence Day of the film. So the writers are great. We're going to add this extra line into Bill's speech about it being our Independence Day. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. So now it's like, great. We've already said it's our Independence Day in this scene. It makes no sense if this has a different title that isn't about 4th of July. What would you have named it had this movie not gotten Independence Day? My goodness. Uh, it would have been, oh, I, I think I think some earlier titles were like Extermination. Another one could have been uh, Them Versus Us. <laughs> Them Versus Us. No shame to Natalie Portman, but Annihilation, I think, would have been a good name for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does say that in the although extinction would have been another Ooh, good one. Yes. I think I could see how the studio would have been like that. But I'm glad that it's Independence Day because it's so iconic, yeah. such an iconic title. If you had to have one quote from this movie uh, engraved on your tombstone when, God forbid, you depart this world, 
what would it be and why? It's got to be, and I got the saved up here. Uh, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We will live on and we will survive. I think that's, that's always that, going to be I mean, one. tying back to this last question, there has to be, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but there has to be something from Judd Hirsch that probably would be on mine. Or I would just do like, I would just do like. Nobody's perfect. Would, nobody's perfect. I would also do like, oh crap. Like the, but like, it would have to be on my tombstone. It would have to be, oh crap. But like in Harvey Firestein's voice as a very important asterisk uh, on top of that. Because that's just, I feel like that's a great response. You got to go out with some humor uh, in my eyes. <laughs> this is actually a fun part because we get to talk about some other films in these next few questions. If you had to curate a double feature Ooh. with Independence Day, which additional film would you choose? In what order would you program them in? As in which would be first and second? And the only stipulation I'm putting is that you can't use another Emmerich movie. What would you pair with Independence Day? Oh, it'd be Independence Day and it would be Attack on Mars. Attack on Mars? Yeah. What is this film? Tell me about this film. So the cool thing about Attack on Mars is that it actually was slated to come out around the exact same time as Independence Day. Mm. It's also a similar theme of a movie of like aliens come to Earth and attack uh and it has like jack nicholson as a president it's just really interesting film but it was supposed to come out around the exact same time so independence day at the time laid the stakes by saying we're coming out fourth of july and we have this big budget behind us so based off of that fear attack on mars pushed back their release to later because they're like great fox is about to drop this banger and ID4 doubled down by doing a release during the Super Bowl of their trailer. And everyone was like, oh, they're really about this film. So we like, let's be careful. And of course, this film goes on to like be like, like the most popular movie of like of 1996 that gained a bunch of money. But Attack on Mars is like a comedy sci-fi. Uh, it has like really goofy prosthetics, a little oh, aliens. You're talking about Mars Attacks. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Mars Attacks, yes. Okay, because I was confused. I was like, I never heard of Attack on Mars before, but I was like, you mentioned Mars Attacks earlier, and then you said Jack Nicholson is president. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy is talking about Mars Attacks. Yes. Such a fascinating movie to compare this movie to, right? both of these movies. Just to make a comment about this, what's ironic about you picking this movie is that this is meant to be the action, you know, sci fi thriller with some comedy kind of bits. Meanwhile, Mars Attacks is meant to be the sort of sci-fi farce, like straight up parody. And yet I would argue that Mars Attacks as a film is 10 times more frightening than Independence Day is. Hands and down. If, we're, if we're talking about traumatized childhoods, <laughs> I came across Mars Attacks on TV when I was younger. My cable package didn't come with Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network oh. and only Disney Channel. And you can only watch Disney Channel shows so much after you consume all of them in one setting mm-hmm. um, that I would watch TBS a lot. That was sort of like a go-to TV channel for me. I was being exposed to like Jim Carrey and Ray <laughs> Romano and Jerry Seinfeld and all of these adult comedians. And they would play Mars Attacks all the time. It was like a go-to movie for them. And I remember... Sitting through that initial invasion scene where they say, like, we come in peace. Everyone's like, yeah. And then they just start shooting everyone. And and I was genuinely, genuinely traumatized seeing Jack Black being, like, vaporized from, like, the 
the arms to the head, like just straight up. <sighs> and then you have uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's yep. head is put on a chihuahua. Yep. Like, and the design for those aliens are honestly so freaking creepy and weird. Uh, bo- buggy eyes, like something yes. out of a horror movie, truly. And I, I was exposed to that movie, and that I genuinely had nightmares about that movie for a long time. And I only revisited it just a few years ago because <laughs> I literally was like, I was like, am I going to be okay with this? Is this going to also the alien lady is so bizarre, like oh God. super bizarre, crazy movie. It's just fascinating because it's just again, it's like a film that I'm sure they set out to be a parody, but it literally is by far and away way more, <laughs> more violent because of how they chose to like showcase the funny violence. But like, oh, this is pretty gratuitous, like. People are being melted, but I think that's I think that's honestly why it pairs so well with like this really serious action sci-fi, yeah. and it's like everything is serious, and it's like cool. Here's this wacky one that's still scary, but also like all of this is so wacky. It has Clinton Close, and it has Martin Short. Like <laughs> this is a truly wacky film that someone thought to put out. I talk about colonization, Mars attacks, just straight up, <laughs> same same vibes, yeah, yeah. same vibes. Marlon, in your personal film festival, mm-hmm. in the Marlon Williford Film Festival, mm-hmm. which is like a day-long festival, alongside your film, right? We have a 12 p.m. slot, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and a midnight. We got five slots. Which films are you programming? Okay. The films I'm slot. I think in order from earliest to latest, I would start with Titan AE, which is another good sci-fi chunk. So good. Keeping in theme. I would start with that. Uh, I would transition to, after that, I would go right into Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet. Okay, getting some of that Disney in there. Exactly. Then I would go right into Stargate. I think Stargate's really good. I like Stargate a lot. Uh, Then after that, we would do Independence Day. And then we would wrap things up. Uh, it's five, right? It's five, one, two, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the midnight. This is the midnight. And the midnight one, I really liked Prometheus. I would put Prometheus in there. Wow. you j- That is a sci-fi day. That is a sci-fi <laughs> smorgasbord there. Very interesting going with Prometheus in the midnight spot. What was it like? That movie, I feel like, very divisive. Yeah. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. Where do you fall on Prometheus? I like that it was world building. I like that it was mm-hmm. willing to take a swing at adding newer details to the whole xenomorph saga. Like we've seen, you know, all these other alien films and I like them. I love the Predator films. I wanted to get more information. I haven't read the book. So I'm like, cool, I'm only going off of what you're showing me in this movie form. So I like that they were willing to go out on a limb and try to stray a bit from the formula and try different things. So that's what I like about it. Is there a strong piece of further reading that you would recommend after Independence Day? Maybe it's a novel, maybe it's a graphic novel, maybe it's a a nonfiction film, maybe it's an educational piece, like a textbook even maybe. Is there a piece of further reading that you would recommend for people? Yes. Uh, There is a book that I read uh, by, I think, Maria Russell, and it's called The Sparrow. It's a sci-fi novel, but it's a sci-fi novel in the reverse uh, instead of aliens coming to colonize us, 
we go to visit a planet. It's designed to be a mostly scientific expedition, but it's being funded by the Catholic Church. So there's other elements no of like way. of like proselytizing on this planet as well. And it describes the chaos that goes on because of this journey of these priests and these scientists to this other planet. It goes from start to finish on how absolutely terrible things go. It took me for a loop. I I there are certain elements of the book that I had to like reread because I'm like, wait, what just happened? But it's called The Sparrow. It is a trip. It is a full trip of these very interestingly designed and described alien species that I think uh, are helpful to expand like the thought about space and also the thought about space and how the Catholic Church would choose to adjust their messaging with the discovery of another alien species. That is crazy. That's totally bonkers. It's a wild And I'm totally here for it. I'm totally here for it. I want that in my life literally yesterday. Is there a character in this film that you genuinely believe deserves a spinoff? Like if we, like in the age of spinoffs, if we had to give a spinoff to Independence Day, who would be the lead character? You know what? I honestly think that Dr. Brackish uh, should get a spinoff. Because again, he's at Area 51 and I would love to know what other things they have there. Because we only get to see that, that, like, that, that one wing of like, yeah, we have this alien species here. We don't know if they found other species of aliens, if they found other sci-fi adjacent things, if they, if, if they created weapons or not. Um, I'm sure they probably talked about it in, in the second one, but I didn't see the second one. But I think it'd be really cool to have like a spinoff about the Area 51 people uh, and what they discovered. That's actually a brilliant idea. So you want to do like basically what happens when they first discover the Area 51 mm -hmm. uh, crash landing and how they cover that all up basically. Sci-fi thriller mixed with government thriller, I feel. Yeah. Anybody besides old white people probably be like, um, something's not right. Something's not right here. We should do something about that. Maybe there's silence, though. There's a whole, we got to start writing this. It's a whole thing there, I'm telling you. The last question, and my personal favorite question mm -hmm. that I ask people about. In the Monopoly version of Independence Day, <laughs> what are the six playable pieces? <laughs> okay. Of course, a fighter jet is one. You got a cigar, of course, because you got a lot of them. You got to smoke them if you got them. Not until the fat lady sings. That too. Uh, a Coke can, because you shoot a Coke can off of the table. Uh, Interesting. You'd also have to include, I want to say, a hat. A hat that looks very much like the hat that uh, Quaid was wearing when he, like, stumbledly drunk out of out of his, out of his, oh. his, his plane. And the last thing you got to include is an RV. Interesting. You know what you're missing? What am I missing? You got to have the alien in there. That's you got to have like, you got to have, would it, but here's the question. Would it be exoskeleton version or, you know, bare body version? Because they're very different. I feel like the exoskeleton version would make for the better piece. X would stand better. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think it would have to be the exoskeleton standing piece. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think if there's anything else here. I feel like like maybe the White House or something, like oh. mid-destruction. Or like one of the buildings mid-destruction. Yeah, it would be a really, really funny uh, kind of surreal. Oh, you know what? 
Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> we gotta get Boomer in there. Although that the she's not driving an RV. It's a truck, right? I think so. Yeah. She drives a truck to the army base, or not the army base, but like where? Or do they go to? Is it an army base that she ends up at? Vivica Fox. She ends up stopping at this like uh, torn down building, and then because of pl- script and plot. Will Smith's character knows exactly where they are and flies a helicopter directly to them. Yes. And it's never yes. split high near there where he just flies. Like he just takes a helicopter, flies it over there, and just scoops everyone up, and they fly back to the base. There are so many others. The the sitter, or the prayer book. That's oh, uh, yeah. that's that uh, Jeff Goldblum gives him. Uh, never too late. To, what's what's that line that he says? Like never too never too late to start or something. In case you need it, right? Uh, or something like that. If I've seen it two or three more times, maybe I'll be able to quote this <laughs> pro- properly. Uh, I feel like there's so many possibilities here Absolutely. for this monopoly. Independence Day monopoly. I'm pitching it. <laughs> Marlon, dude, it was such a pleasure to have you here on My Favorite Movie Is. Ugh, had a blast. Uh, here's your chance. If you want to plug something, now I'm, I'm, I leave the floor to you. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much. So uh, this has been super exciting, and I'm really glad to be on here. Um, you can find me over at Geek Force uh, on Instagram and Facebook, and you can catch me on Marlin's Corner on the same. We do our podcast uh, once a week, so we'll be back on and popping uh, this week. It is wherever you get your podcasts, yeah? Wherever you get your podcasts from, Spotify, Apple, Spotify, we're there. Yeah, and uh, I will also push you to my episode on Marlin's Corner where we talked about Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> yes, the uh, Tom Holland uh, movie adaptation of Uncharted. We had thoughts. It was a very fun, <laughs> fun discussion. Uh, definitely recommend you check that out and you follow Marlon because if you like what he had to say on here, you're going to love all of his takes and all of his thoughts in Marlin's Corner. Marlon, such a blast. Thank you again for being here. It was oh, amazing to have you here. Thank you. Looking forward to coming back in the future, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Let's do it. What, what would be the next movie? What are we tackling next, Marlon? Oh, my next favorite movie? Uh, ooh, Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt? <laughs> what? Mouse Hunt. For real? Yeah. For real? I love Mouse Hunt. That movie is Dude. criminally <laughs> underrated. Dude, you're dropping, you're dropping Titan AE, Treasure Planet, Prometheus, and you're out here being like, next favorite, Mouse Hunt. Let's do it. Mouse Hunt. It's the simple pleasures. It's such a simple premise, and it's done so well. Come on. Oh, my God. What a what a closer. <laughs> so tell me, listener, what movie would you pair with Independence Day to make a good double feature? Do you appreciate the often maligned world building of Prometheus? And do we need to do an episode of My Favorite Movie Is on Mouse Hunt? I cannot believe those words just came out of my mouth in that order. But regardless, I want to hear all of your answers to these questions and more in the My Favorite Movie Is Discord community. Now, I know that joining an online film community can be a hard sell these days because the discourse online, especially in the film community, is just so toxic and judgmental. I know that a lot of these communities don't really make people feel welcome. But let me tell you, our community is the antithesis to all of that. 
We are a group of passionate, positive movie lovers who want nothing more than to welcome you with open arms and to hear your story. Do you love Independence Day and want to gush about it with fellow movie lovers who love Independence Day? Do you maybe not like Independence Day, but are just looking to engage in some discussion with other people who love the movie, maybe to get some fresh perspectives? Uh, hello, we're right here. Why are you not already a part of our community? Don't worry, don't worry. There's an easy way to solve this problem. Uh, you click on the link in the show notes and you join our Discord community. It takes like 30 seconds to join it. It's 100% free of charge and you're gonna be immediately introduced to just an incredible group of people who love talking about movies just as much as you do. We even do community watch parties where we all watch the movie together in Discord. It's a super fun time, and we're so excited to have you be a part of it. Again, click on the link in the show notes to join our free Discord community today. I hope to see you there. So this is normally the part of the episode where I talk about what movie we're going to cover next, and uh, I am going to say what that movie is. But before I do, I just want to let you all know that we're actually going to be taking a hiatus for a couple of weeks starting after we publish this episode of the bonus round. Don't worry, we're not going away for another several months like we did uh, earlier on this year. It's only going to be for a couple of weeks. You know, we've been publishing a ton of great episodes this month, but we're starting to run low on new episodes for you guys, and we want to have a bit more of a backlog. The problem is it's really hard to research and record new episodes while also editing and publishing new episodes. Um, both of those processes just take a lot of manpower and a lot of work. And, you know, we figured it would be best to just take a few weeks, focus on recording and researching, and then, you know, in a few weeks, start uploading and publishing more episodes. You might notice that some episodes have been delayed the last couple of weeks because it's just been a bit difficult to keep up with the workflow. So we're going to take a bit of a break, focus on all that stuff. We're going to be back on August 1st with a brand new episode all about Jaws. I'm incredibly excited to talk about this film. It's one of my all-time favorites. You know, never a bad idea to go back into the Spielberg vault and talk about just his masterful direction. So in the meantime, if you haven't already given us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, now might be a good time. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, maybe leave us a review as well. It really helps the show grow. And if you don't listen on those two platforms, or even if you do listen on those two platforms, share the show with your friends, your family, all of the passionate movie lovers in your life. Thanks again for all of your support, guys. It really means the world. And I can't wait to come back and provide you with more new episodes of My Favorite Movie Is starting August 1st. My Favorite Movie Is is a Larry Freed Presents production. The show was created by and is currently hosted and produced by me, Larry Freed. And this episode was also edited by me. Larry Freed. Our graphic designer is Monica Sarmiento. Our motion graphics designer is Elton Greenfield. And our theme song, Now and Then, as well as additional original music featured on this show, is composed and performed by Mac or Duke. A special thank you to Marlon Williford for being an incredible guest and for being just so generous with his time. Be sure to check out his show, Marlon's Corner, as well as his other show, Geek Force available wherever you get your podcasts. And another special thank you to our patrons, Charles, Sean, Keith, Tony, Mo, Taylor, and newest patron, Daniel. Thank you all so much for helping to make this show possible. These guys are literally the reason why you are listening to this show 
right now. So without them, uh, this show literally would not be in your ear holes currently. Did you guys know that patrons of My Favorite Movie Is get uncut and ad-free versions of every episode of our show for just $5 a month? That is sometimes twice, up to three times the amount of podcast content all for just a little bit more than your average cup of coffee. Patrons get all of that, plus other exclusive perks, and they also help to support this show and make it possible. So if you are interested in all of that, you can go to patreon.com slash MFMI podcast. This has been your host, Larry Freed. Thank you so much for listening to My Favorite Movie Is.